You're listening to Different Things Can Be Sad. Hello and welcome to Different Things Can Be Sad, where it's cool to care about politics and pop culture. I'm Yasmin Lomax. And I'm Micah Hahn. And we are the hosts of this aforementioned podcast. So although we do like to do a little chatting about politics and pop culture, in fact, that is the bulk of the show, we like to kick every episode off with a little discussion about the month we have just had. So Micah, how was your March? My March was good. I Mm -hmm. um, escaped the rain um, and went to Tucson for almost all of March, which was absolutely lovely. Um, taking advantage of not having a full, like, place I need to be every day, which is wonderful. Um, and yeah, I read a lot. I watched things. I got a tan, not on purpose, just by existing. Tanning um, is very bad, so I'm glad to know Tanning that is bad, yeah. yeah. Lots of sunscreen, a little good. tan. Um good. What else? Did some hiking, ate some really good food. It was a good time. You went to a book fair as well, right? I also went, yeah, it turned out the Tucson book fair was there when Is we this were like there. a scholastic book fair? It's so I think I'd love to know more about the literary world. Book fairs I think are like a big thing where people like like where you can go see authors, do signings. Uh-huh. Um and so the univ- it was at the University of Arizona, which is this huge kind of mostly outdoor campus, and it was in the middle of the university on this big boulevard, um, and there was, like, hundreds of tents um, and, like, different authors doing signings, um, and then there were also speaking events. We unfortunately did not find out about it soon enough because there were some interesting people talking. We didn't get to go see them. No. It's so sad. cool to go to a book fair. It was just cool to, like, be outside and have people, like, it was, I think this was the first time they had done it since the pandemic started. Oh, nice. And so it was, like, people were clearly very excited and happy to be there and as a big, like, part of the community, so. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Very nice. How was your March? It was really, really good. It was my birthday month. I don't think I'm one of those who does, like, a whole birthday month, but I did have a birthday trip this year. Very good. I went to New Orleans. It was lovely and warm. I also ate lots of good food. And I saw an alligator on my birthday. So what more can you really ask for? A lucky birthday alligator. An alligator. Yeah. We did a swamp tour. We saw alligators. And then also a pig, which I guess I kind of knew could be in swamps, but there was... Like an enormous pig in the swamp. Ah, I also saw a pig. It actually is not a pig. In Tucson, Arizona, they have javelinas, which look like pigs, but they're not pigs. They're like wild in the pig family related. They're very, they're cool. They kind of look like um, wild boars, sort of. Right. Do they have like. I would Google it. They don't have tusks, but they're very spiky. Ooh. We love podcasts, not a visual medium. Um, and <laughs> we'll yeah. post a picture of one on our Instagram at DTCS we will. Podcast. Yeah. Yes. Go check it out. Saw a pig, saw raccoons as well in the swamp, cool. which I definitely did not know were swamp creatures. Like they were mm-hmm. swimming about in the water. It was oh. very strange. Yeah. Their little fur was getting all wet and their little human hands were getting all wet. But <laughs> they were very cute. And it was 
a lovely, lovely birthday. So a nice way to end the month. Um, I also got a Kobo. This podcast is not sponsored by Kobo, but I wish it were because I'm really loving my Kobo. It is an e-reader that is kind of like a Kindle, but instead of just being able to download Amazon Kindle books on there, you can get a lot of books from your library, which is awesome because I'm a big library fan. So excited to do more reading with this because I kind of had a rough month with reading in March. I actually DNF'd, uh, did not finish, four very popular books that were huge on TikTok slash BookTok. I have no, I don't have TikTok, right? So I have no kind of like yeah. interaction with this. I just kind of like see on the Barnes and Noble website, like big on BookTok. And I am very confused about the recommendations that the section <laughs> of the internet are providing because they are not good. I don't tr- I don't trust them whatsoever. Uh, really not having luck there. But I did read completely and love a book that I got right at the end of the month. It was called Live, Laugh, Kidnap by Gabby Noon. I think it is an amazing name. Great name. And It is a new release YA book that follows three teenage girls over one summer in a small Montana town that's being taken over by a mega church. But there's also like a small new age cult in the town. So if you are like me and are very interested in mega churches and cults (laughs) and everything that kind of goes with that, like, you know, Christian influencers and multi-level marketing schemes, then this is definitely the book for you. Uh, basically, the three teenage girls have uh, individual problems that bring them together and lead them to believe that the solution to all of their problems involves the titular kidnapping. It is a very, very fun and very clever book. So thoroughly recommend Live, Laugh, Kidnap this month. How about you, Micah? Did you read anything you love? Did you DNF anything? I I almost DNF'd another TikTok book talk wreck. Say it. Say it out loud. <sighs> I almost DNF'd Malibu Rising by Taylor oh. Jenkins Reid. I liked um, Malibu Rising, actually. That's that's I trust Book Talk with that one. I think because I like Taylor Jenkins Reid. It's more when they're giving yeah, you they the love her. One. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to read her Daisy Jones and the Six. And Daisy the, Jones is it. That is a great book. Yeah. I'm going to go to the library and pick it up. Um, yeah. Yes. I think part of the reason why I did not enjoy Malibu Rising is because right before it, I read maybe one of my favorite books ever. Ooh. Um, which is The Love Songs of W.E.B. Du Bois by Honoré Fanon Jeffers, um, which was just fantastic. Um, I got it for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, it is 800 pages long. and Oof. I was telling Yaz about this, dear listeners, and she said, I'm excited to hear about it in March. And here we are. I did finish it. It Yay. took a while. Um, despite the fact that it's really long, it's every single page is completely worth it. There's oh. like no editing needed. Um, it's an intergenerational or multi-generational story um, that reaches all the way back to pre-colonial Georgia and to Africa. Um, and it goes to the 1990s. Um, oh, wow. And it, yeah. 
So it, it's all centered, it interweaves around the life of Allie Pearl Garfield, who is this um, young, it starts with her as a child and goes into her adulthood. She's this young black woman who lives in the city and is kind of split between her um, mother's family, who is from the fictional town of Chickasetta, Georgia, um, mm-hmm. and her dad's her upbringing in the city with her dad, who is um, a very white passing doctor. Um, and so it interweaves stories of um, this family's history of slavery. Um, there's also an interconnection with, um, I guess in the States it would be Native American histories. Um, it's very, as you would tell by the title, it's very steeped in politics. Um, it uses kind of Du Bois as a through line through all of these stories. Um, there's a family tree at the beginning of the book that I repeatedly have to flip back towards <laughs> because they like introduce new characters and you're like, how is this person related? And you go back. Family um, tree. Yeah. It's really wonderful. I would, it like, it feels daunting. It's very big, but it's a, like just wonderful and fantastic read. And especially if you I was reading um, Audre Lorde at the same time, uh, Zamie, mm-hmm. a new spelling of my name, and the kind of parallels and the, the clearly has taken this literature of like black feminist theory and f- fiction and interwoven it into the story so beautifully. It's so oh. wonderfully done. Um, in fact, the thing that like really got me was in the acknowledgments she talks about the books that inspired this book and she talks about them with such like love and respect and it's so wonderful and I like teared up while reading just the dedication um yeah I like could talk forever about it but I think it's like definitely a read when you have the time to kind of sit with it and go through it that sounds amazing I am officially adding it to my list of books to read on my Kobo uh, listeners, you oh, can't see, but I am go. again holding up my Kobo <laughs> in, the, in the classic influencer sponsorship way, hand behind it. Yep, classic. Um, I had better luck with TV this month. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't want to say that I had bad luck, although I didn't enjoy a lot of the books I read and I did not finish four. Live, Laugh, Kidnap really saved the month for me. Good. However, almost everything I started on TV this month Um, And the movie that I saw in theaters, I really, really loved. So the first one that I want to talk about is Life and Beth, which is the new Amy Schumer show Mm. on Hulu, where she plays Beth, a New York woman with a good on paper, but ultimately unfulfilling life until tragedy strikes at the end of the first episode. And she begins to both examine her past and look at building a different future. Now, I love Amy Schumer and I really liked seeing her explore different topics. I know a lot of people don't love her and (laughs) they give her heat for focusing on her body as a topic in her comedy a lot, but this really veers away from this. It focuses Mm -hmm. uh, more so on parent-child dynamics, compulsive disorders, a romantic relationship with Michael Sarah that is loosely based on her own relationship with her husband. I just thought it was very, very touching and also very funny. It's not like a straight up comedy. Mm -hmm. You know, if you liked uh, her work like Trainwreck or I Feel Pretty, this is actually more of a drama. And it has a lot of surprise guest appearances that are 
amazing. Uh, Jonathan Groff in, I think, episode four is a particular highlight for me. He is absolutely hilarious. So definitely stream Life and Beth. And then while you're there, stream Abbott Elementary, which is Mm -hmm. a new mockumentary about teachers in a public school in Philadelphia. I'm going to call it like the next Parks and Rec, but I do want to stress that it's like completely its own thing. Um, It's just like if you love the kind of wholesome, warm hug energy of Parks and Rec, I think you will love this. Our lead character, Janine, who is played by show creator Quinta Brunson, is very like Leslie Nope. She's this like super passionate, means well, new teacher who kind of usually just ends up causing a pickle. Mm. And it's just absolutely charming and perfect if you've kind of cycled through The Office, New Girl, Parks and Rec, Schitt's Creek, all of those other warm and cozy shows during the pandemic. And then the very last thing of watching that I want to talk about, and I think like maybe you saw this this month. I was... did see it like two days ago. Okay. Um, readers or listeners, the anticipation <laughs> is building. Uh, it is everything everywhere all at once. Did I say that everything and the everywhere in the right order? Everything I think everywhere. So, yes. all at once. Yeah. So I got to go to an advanced screening of this Ooh. new A24 movie um, that maybe, Micah, you will agree with me. It's kind of difficult to describe because it takes yes. so many different directions. But essentially, it's about a woman named Evelyn Wong who owns a laundromat with her family. And she is attempting to do her taxes when she discovers the existence of different dimensions and is tasked with saving all of reality and all those dimensions from an evil force. So Mm -hmm. it's not only this like amazing sci-fi action movie, but it also has so much heart. There's like a really thorough exploration of Evelyn's relationships with her dad and her husband and her daughter. It's really, really funny. There's amazing costumes, amazing special effects, an amazing Ratatouille joke. I just loved this movie. Did you like it as well, Micah? I did. I think more than the movie, I loved watching it in a theater with other people. It's Um, a theater movie for sure. For sure. I think it was so wonderful to see people be actually shocked and awed by a movie. Was it the trophy scene? Because that got our theater. It was the trophy trophy scene, but just kind of like, it takes you in places you don't expect. Um, It really does. I didn't know a lot about it when I came in and I was confused when we got into a whole like uh, dimensional multiverse thing. I was like, wait, what? But they pull it Um, off. They do. It's by the same people who did Swiss Army Man, so if that might give you some explanation of what it's like. Um, yeah, I, like just a wonderful theater going. Like, go watch it in theaters for sure because yes, the vibes absolutely. are great. Um, and it's cool to see like original filmmaking like be really fun and exciting. Yeah, it is. It's so original. I think that's the, the thing yeah. that is just so captivating about it. Did you see anything in theaters this month? I did. At the very beginning of the month, I saw The Batman. The Batman. The Batman. Um, it with is a new Batman. our Edward Cullen. Our Pats. Yes. Yeah. We love him. Um, it's a little too long, but it's very fun. Um, the music sensation. I mean, like, if you're on the internet or TikTok, you've, you've heard the music. It's um, 
quite popular as a sound there. Say it um, for us, Micah. Do a little sound. I, 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 I cannot <laughs> sing it for you. Um, but it is good. Um, our Pats is great in it. It's serious, but also like a little, it has like cheesy undertones, um, which I think all superhero movies should have in like a nice way. Yeah, like I mean, the, don't take yourself penguin too waddles. seriously. Yeah. It's like a man in a bat suit. Like, it's silly. Exactly. It's silly, you know? Um, the thing I loved so much about it was the cinematography is just fantastic. It's by Greg Fraser, who just won an Oscar for Dune. Um, oh. And he did Bright Star, which is one of my favorite looking movies of all time. Um, and I talked about it a couple months ago. So I would just, like, it's a great... It's a great time. Um, Like, bring snacks. It's long. Um, (laughs) The other thing I watched, which I wish I had seen in a theater, but someone at Disney decided I wasn't allowed to. Um, And it's Turning Red, which is the new Pixar movie. Oh, I Um, want to watch this. It's fantastic. It has Toronto. It has puberty. It has boy bands. Boy bands? Boy bands. One boy band. That's enough. Um, yeah, and it has this wonderful, compassionate, and thoughtful story about an Asian-Canadian family. Um, it has so much heart, and it's so much fun, and it, like, like, lo- like the Canadianness is wonderful. I think I've heard from other people that it's a little jarring if you're not Canadian. Um, oh, they can get over it. Yeah. Um, it's really wonderful if you are. Like, there's some hot, subtle things, um, and some very not subtle things. Uh, but I think what I loved about it the most was the, I've never seen such an honest and, like, really heartfelt portrayal of what it feels like to be a 13-year-old girl. Um, and, like, I cried at the one scene where I don't think you were necessarily supposed to, but it just, like, the feeling of being so full of hormones and having no idea what's happening and you're confused and, like, is, like, a feeling that so many people go through but i have never seen it on film and i saw i was just like this is fantastic it was so good um so yeah i and it's fun and the music is by billy eilish and phineas it's very like 90s boy band pop song it gets stuck in my head all the time um it's a great time loved it I am excited for that one. Uh, speaking of music and of teen <laughs> idols, our beloved Harry Styles released a song this month that I absolutely adored. Have you listened to it yet, Micah? I actually As it was? haven't. Oh, you must. I don't know you must. Why. You must. Yeah. It is the first single from his upcoming album, and I am obsessed. The first time I listened to it, I thought it sounded very new strokes, specifically mm-hmm. like the adults are talking. And I was like, am I just imagining this because I'm like, a big Strokes fan, a friend did text me the next day and was like, does this sound like the adults are talking about the Strokes to you? <laughs> I knew I wasn't going crazy. That's I good. also think that it sounds like our very good friends, Pulp Fever, uh, a band. Who have an album coming out yes. around the time this podcast will be released. Yeah. Uh, keep an eye on Pulp Fever's upcoming work. We'll, we'll share it on Instagram. Very, if you like Harry Styles, I think you'll like them and vice versa. <laughs> I am... Very, very excited for more Harry to happen. I just don't think he misses. I think he mm. is – I could rave about him forever. Uh, who could you rave about in the music scene this month? Um, I This month, 
I started listening to Haley Blaze. Um, she's a singer-songwriter. I think she started on YouTube. Not really sure. Oh. Um, she's very Phoebe Bridgers-esque. We love. In her style. She's currently on tour. She's this new single that has lots of swear words in it. So just <gasps> letting you know, it's called <gasps> The Coolest Fucking Bitch in Town. <gasps> There's two. It's very There's two good. there. There's two. <laughs> Coolest I gave you a in town. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, her music's really fun. Um, and I like the kind of visual style of what she's doing. So would recommend if you're looking for more Phoebe Bridgers-esque stuff. Aren't we all just looking for more Phoebe Bridgers? Welcome to politics. Uh, If you are watching the Oscars uh, this month, before the thing that happened that everyone is talking about, um, you might have seen Ben Proudfoot... um, in his acceptance speech for the best doc short for his movie, The Queen of Basketball, um, demand that President Biden bring Brittany Griner home. Who is Brittany Griner? Why is this man talking about her on the Oscars? How is she related to the war on Ukraine? We're going to talk about all of that today. Um, who is Brittany Griner? She is a WNBA player. Um, she's played in the WNBA for nine years. She is six foot nine, which is Ooh. crazy. Um, she Even you'd currently... look short next to her, Micah. I know. I would look short. <laughs> um, and I now like that our listeners who maybe have never seen a picture of me are like, how tall is she? Sorry, I made it sound like you're like six foot or something. No. I'm just like five foot two, so Micah's very tall to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Griner plays for, uh, is the star center for the Phoenix Mercury's. Um, A fun fact. She went to Baylor, which is also where Brooklyn and Bailey went to. That is what the school Um, means to me. Check out. Yeah, that's all. It's in Waco, Texas. Where um, Bailey and Asa still live. Where Bailey and Asa still live. This means You guys, you need to do a deep dive on Brooklyn and Bailey if you haven't already. They're very important to us. They are. Um, she is a two-time Olympic gold medalist, um, winning both at Rio and at Tokyo last year. And she is also one of the first openly gay pro basketball players. Um she is was and is Nike's first ever sponsored gay athlete. Um, and importantly for the story, in the WNBA offseason, she plays in Russia in the EuroLeague. Oh, it's so kind of like basketball is so like people just play in different countries, like Winston and New Girl, like in Latvia. You know, it's a it's a thing. It turns out, and we'll get into this more, you can make so much more money playing in Europe than you can oh, in the I States. Bet, if yeah. you're not a man and in the top level. Right. Um, so in early February, like every year, Greiner entered Russia um, and was arrested. We don't totally know when. It was Feb. Uh, we think it was around February 17th. Um, she was going through customs and a 
sniffer dog smelt her vape pen that had some hashish oil in her carry-on. So, like, I think it even said the remnants, so it's, like, a very small amount of drugs in her vape pen. And this carries a 10-year prison sentence. Um, Now, you may be thinking, and we talked about this in January, and it's all anyone is talking about, isn't something else happening in Russia right now? Um, Yeah, Russia is currently at war with Ukraine. Um, On February 17th, she, they weren't, um, they were making noises about it, but they didn't invade until the 24th. So while Russia is currently at war with the Ukraine and there's lots of tensions with the U.S., they say that the arrest of Griner is not related to this war at all. It's not because she's American. It's purely because of these drug charges. Um, and she's been there ever since it's been, oh, almost two months now. Um, there isn't a lot of contact with her lawyers, um, or that she has contact with the lawyers. She hasn't had contact with the U.S. Embassy, um, and not a lot of people have heard from her, and it's quite concerning that she's there, um, for a myriad of reasons. The rule of law is not the same in Russia as it is here, or, or as it is in the States, um, She's also a gay black woman, and in Russia, they are known for their anti-black racism, but also homosexuality is illegal in Russia. Huh. Um, so there's a lot of concerns about her safety and well-being. Um, I think the big part of the story is that a lot of people are saying she isn't getting the press she deserves. You would think that if a huge American athlete was being detained by a country that they're currently at war with, people would be making a lot of fuss. But I think at the Oscars was when a lot of people heard her name for the first time. And it's not a big story, especially one that, like, the U.S. government is making a lot of noise about it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, one article, a BBC article, says she's arguably the greatest female basket player of all time. And she's been tamed in Moscow amid the war in Ukraine. Fans want to know why more people aren't paying attention. Um, and I, part of what they're saying is, well, if she was, like, any other big basketball player, people would, it would be on every single news, not just on sports pages, but on every single news page around the world and in the yeah. U.S. Um this would be a huge deal. Like, her people don't know how she is, and there's been, like, very little said about it all. Um, and I think, and many people pointed this out, the lack of respect she's getting um, in the media really parallels the lack of respect that WNBA players get in general. Mm. Um, the only reason she was in Russia in the first place is because she isn't paid enough in the WNBA. So they just did a contract renegotiation, which um, means that most players are getting paid a hundred and thirty thousand a year to play, mm-hmm. um, and the max you can get paid is fifty five hundred thousand. Okay, which is a lot of money, but yeah. nothing compared to what NBA players are making. Yeah, um, and like it's expensive to be a basketball player. 
especially one of her caliber. And so about half of all women who play in the WNBA also play in Europe during the offseason. Oh, interesting. Um, and when they play in Europe, they make five times as much as they do in the U.S. Oh, wow. Um, there is this great and very sad Onion headline that kind of summarizes the parallels between this in which the, t- the title of the article is Brittany Griner's Plea for Help Relegated to ESPN2. <sighs> Which is a very good headline. That oh, the under- Onion are very good, aren't they? <laughs> the Onion they are really great. get to it. Um, I think another reason why um, they might not be getting as much press as they would want is that um, the WNBA players are kind of divisive in American politics. You might remember in June of 2020, they were some of the first athletes to speak out against, um, speak out and for the um, Black Lives Matter protests that were happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the WNBA is a very united front as players. Um, they um, make decisions together as a unified group. Um, and they're very political in the things that they say. Mm-hmm. Um, and Griner has been at the forefront of a lot of this politics. So you could see why certain American broadcasters or news hosts might not think that she's the most important to talk about. Um, And of course, race plays a big part in this as well. Um, She's a black woman who is ostensibly being held and detained because of drug charges. And many people think that isn't a worthy cause to champion and that like she probably deserved what was coming to her, which is deeply unfair because obviously it's unfair. Um, Uh, So, yeah, I think there's a myriad of reasons why the media isn't getting really loud about what's happening. The other reason why there's a lack of attention might actually be strategic. So um, Richard Stoll, who's the Albert Thompson Professor of Political Science at Rice University, um, said that it might actually be part of a greater strategy to help her release. Um, or to get her a lesser sentence. So apparently a lot of the WNBA players have been told to not speak out against um, what's happening and bring attention to Griner's case. Mm. Um, so that when it comes to sentencing and when it comes to decision-making in the Russian courts, she gets a fair deal. Um, the war... Um, even if she's not detained because she's an American and Russia's at war with Ukraine, um, Americans are really not in favor in Russia right now. And any bringing attention to the fact that Griner is an American could make it so that she gets a harsher sentence. Because um, we know the court, like, they're not, the court system isn't fully independent in Russia, so a judge could think, well, if I'm really harsh to this American, I could garner favor with the elites in the Russian in Russian politics. Um, so maybe bringing attention to all of it would be really dangerous for her. Got it. Um, what's interesting, though, um, is that the strategy might be changing in the last, like, four or five days. Um, WNBA players have started to speak out more. Um Maybe that's a reaction to, like, the Oscar thing. 
Um, maybe it's because it's been so long now that she's been stuck there. But people are um, people who are close to her are speaking out about the fact that she's being detained. Um, so who knows? Maybe they've decided that it isn't actually worth it and they need a new strategy. Hmm. Um, kind of given how big the war is in all of our minds... Um, and, like, the fact that Russia seems like a very scary place right now. Um, I think the first thought that I know I had, and I think many people probably had, is why the hell did she go to Russia in the first place? Um, and I think we need to push back on that question as a question that's valid and important. Um, one is that when she went, Americans hadn't been told yet that they shouldn't leave. It wasn't until right. the 24th that Americans were told to avoid Russia. So she'd already been there for a week by the time that order had come out. Um, and secondly, she was doing her job and she was making decisions that she needed to make for her family. She was, yeah, she was there to make money. Um, and it didn't seem like a problem at the time. Um, I was thinking a lot about this question because I was recently listening to a similar discussion on Roxane Gay's podcast. Um, this is an aside, but I promise it'll all come back together. I trust you, So, Thank you. Roxane Gay has a podcast called The Gay Agenda. It's fantastic. You should go listen to it, especially this recent episode about Twitter. Um, in it, she interviews... Um, Janixa Bravo, who is the director and writer of the movie Zola. Um, we've talked about Zola on here before, but in this context, all you need to know about Zola is that it's about, it's based on the real life story of Aziza King, who went on an ill-fated road trip to Florida with the girl she had just met at a strip club, and very bad things happen. Very bad things. Very. Very bad things. And <laughs> so... It was a really interesting discussion between the two of them about um, the making of the movie. I would highly recommend listening to it if you're interested at all. But one other thing Bravo talks about is this question she keeps on getting like throughout the entire press tour. And even when it was like the last part of the press tour, which was the Indie Spirit Awards last month. And the question was, why did she go in the first place? Why did she trust this girl and go to Florida? And... In the podcast, Gay and Bravo discuss the kind of underpinnings of this question, mm. and specifically why directing a question like that of, why did you go in the first place? Why did you put yourself in danger? Um, to a Black woman can be really dehumanizing. Um, for two reasons. One, it fails to understand the context of being a Black woman, what those decisions look like. But two, it also fails to take the choices of Black women seriously. Hmm. Um, and I think when we think about Griner and say, well, why, why would you go to Russia? Which is a thought I had. Um, and this conversation really made me rethink that thought. Um, we kind of underbake some assumptions within it. I would, um, I can't. That's my best summary of that discussion, but I really recommend listening to it yourself because I think, obviously, they voice it much better than I ever could. Um, but I think it does, like, reminds us not to blame Griner for why she's there. She was doing her job. It was her decision to go. 
Um, and then there's no reason, like, it doesn't put blame on her for now being stuck in Russian detention and facing potentially 10 years in prison and forced labor, which is part of that sentence, potentially. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so where are we now in the Griner case? There seems to be kind of an uptick on people talking about her. The U.S. government hasn't really commented yet. They've, like, made... They've acknowledged that she's there, but it's not like Biden has, like, asked for her to come home or anything right. like that. Um, her detention was recently extended by the court until May 19th. So she's going to be supposedly stuck there for another month and a half. Um, and that's all we know. Hopefully, we, uh, like, some sort of conclusion comes from it. Um, soon, potentially the war changing will change things, hopefully for the better. Um, but yeah, I thought this was an important story to talk about and has some really interesting kind of levels to it. Thank you, Micah. Yeah, I guess we don't really know a lot about what is happening with uh, Brittany over there, but it is really good to get some illumination on the facts that we do have and hopefully... Yeah. Uh, get an idea of where we can go moving forward. As Micah mentioned in her politics segment, the 94th Academy Awards took place on Sunday, March 27th. And so for our pop culture segment, we are going to talk about the craziest thing that happened at this year's ceremony. <laughs> the swag bag's worth almost $140,000. Yeah, I am not talking about the slap. You've all heard it. Daniel Radcliffe wants everyone to move on. And I'm going to I respect his uh, desires. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to uh, do a Daniel Radcliffe and talk about something else. The swag bags. So if you are a longtime listener, you may remember our November 2018 episode where we dissected the Goop Holiday Gift Guides. Very fun stuff. This mm -hmm. is going to be kind of like that, but maybe with a little more history sprinkled in. So the history. Where do the swag bags come from? Where do they originate? Who started it? When did it begin? Let's get into that. According to Reuters via Vulture, the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Scientists, so that is the Academy who give the awards, mm -hmm. they began quietly giving out little thank you gifts to presenters and performers all the way back in 1989. And brands naturally started wanting in on this. They wanted their products in the bags because celebrities using your stuff is great marketing. It's like the OG influencer kind of thing. There's like a famous story of a gift certificate for spa services back in 2002, attracting a bunch of high profile customers like Gwyneth Paltrow to the spa. So you can imagine like if you have Gwyneth Paltrow turn up once, maybe she's going to come a ton more times. Maybe she's going to bring her friends. Maybe the paparazzi are going to take a picture of her outside it. Maybe she's going to mention it in an interview. It can be really, really great for your business. So then naturally, by the mid-2000s, the bags started getting a little bit crazier. While they were originally valued around $20,000, about 2006, they were up to around hundred k. Pretty mm -hmm. wild money. This was also the time when the Internal Revenue Services, or the IRS, started paying attention to the bags. 
Uh, <laughs> they were like, this is a lot of money to be giving out. I think we're going to have to do some taxing on this. So that year, the Academy agreed to pay back taxes for some of the previous gifts they had given out. And then for oh. that year, they actually had to send the recipients 1099 tax forms so that they could like claim the gifts as taxes um, or like on their taxes. So the Academy ended up cutting the practice. They just kind of thought that it was weird to give people a tax obligation at a party. Totally fair. Yes. But obviously the gift bags are still around and that is largely thanks to LA-based marketing company Distinctive Assets. They appear to be very niche. Uh, Their main thing seems to be these swag bags and they have actually been distributing Oscars swag bags since 2002. So at the same time, the Academy were doing them as well. You know, there's a lot of different bags going around. But when we think of Oscar swag bags, now we are thinking uh, predominantly of their everybody wins gift bags. And just to make it clear, distinctive assets and their gift bags are not associated with the Academy at all. They are very completely separate. They are just kind of seeing who has been nominated, who is going, and arranging themselves to give these people the so swag bags. Do they give a tax form with the swag bags? Um, unclear. I believe so. The 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 bags, like the gifts are still taxable. So whether yes. they give the tax forms or the celebrities have to get them themselves, it is I think everyone is like aware that the gifts are taxable. taxable. So yeah. Um, they're kind of, yeah, it's not the Academy's deal anymore. It is distinctive assets and yeah, very separate, which means they get to decide who to give the swag bags to. Um, okay. And also like, because it's separate, they're not giving it at the ceremony. I think like that was a misconception that I had in my head that there was these, there were going to be like these little bags on the seats, but that is not the case. They're actually getting them sent to people's homes and hotels if they're in the LA area. Sometimes they actually mail them to like overseas and stuff. It's very expensive to do that, but like the uh, founder of Distinctive Assets, who is called Lash Ferry, has like mentioned sending uh, Penelope Cruz's back to Madrid. So it happens. Okay, continue. Yeah. I have so many questions, but I'm sure you'll answer them. Okay, well, let's see what I can do. And if you have them at the end, I will definitely do my best. So as I mentioned, because they're independent, they can decide who they give the swag bags to. And because the swag bags are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, they are not given to everyone. This year, only 28 people receive distinctive assets. Everybody wins gift bags. So there was the five nominees for Best Actress, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actress, and Best Supporting Actor, and Best Director. And then the three hosts, Wanda Sykes, Amy Schumer, and Regina Hall, all got them as well. Okay. 28 gift bags valued at around $144,000. So by now you're probably thinking, how can something be worth $144,000? Like, what is in this gift bag? So the most expensive item this year was a $50,000 three-night stay at Turin Castle in Scotland, which was inspired by Denzel Washington's Best Actor nomination for The Tragedy of Macbeth. Nice. 
Speaking of Scotland, um, you could also get the title of Lord or Lady of Glencoe along with a small plot of land in Scotland. This sounds kind of crazy, but like honestly, people in my high school were like doing this on the internet back in like 2014. I think it's kind of the same <laughs> as like buying a star. Mm-hmm. You would also receive a $15,000 four-night stay for two at the Golden Door Luxury Resort and Spa in California. You could get $25,000 worth of home renovations from a Los Angeles-based company. There was a gift certificate for a $12,000 liposuction procedure, $10,000 worth of treatments and rejuvenation procedures, a $1,200 life coaching session with wellness expert, listen for the name, Coyote Joseph. I think that's a great name. Mm -hmm. So all these kind of crazy things like that, very like, I'm going to say goopy gifts, but also some really random things. Like apparently there was an assortment of popcorn packages in the swag bag. There was the game Throw Throw Avocado. And there was a small inflatable orca from PETA that said SeaWorld Blows. So a real ragtag bunch in there. Besides being outlandish, why do we care about Oscar swag bags? Like, what is the tea here? I think the first thing is taxes. You know, that is pretty fascinating before. that It is strange that you are getting a a gift that has a tax obligation of it. And as I mentioned again before, the value of the goods still count as taxable income. The other thing is the contents of the bags. So a question, is gifting people surgical cosmetic procedures cool you know especially these ones that say that are for like liposuction and treatments and rejuvenation procedures are you just calling those people old and in need of cosmetic procedures it is (laughs) a little iffy there um especially like i don't want to assume but is Kristen stewart going to use the liposuction i can't really imagine it it seems a little unusual There has also been some more interesting contents in the past, definitely more controversial ones. In 2016, the swag bag included a $55,000 vacation to Israel um, because ExploreIsrael.com offered this all-inclusive package, but it did prompt a lot of protests from groups like the U.S. campaign to end the Israeli occupation and the Jewish Voice for Peace. They ran an ad in the LA Times reading hashtag skip the trip, don't endorse Israeli apartheid. So something that could be really controversial there. Also in 2016, the Academy filed a lawsuit against distinctive assets uh, claiming copyright trademark infringement. It was getting a little spicy there. Basically, they were saying that the distinctive asset swag bags were becoming like too closely tied with the academy like people were thinking that they were academy official swag bags and they did not want to be associated with the contents in them so for instance that year there was marijuana vape pens sex toys there was a vampire breast lift all sorts of stuff that the academy just did not feel fit their image and felt that was becoming too dangerously associated with it in the media another thing is just the ethics of giving uh, very, very rich people very expensive gifts. You know, these bags are worth an insane amount of money and these people already have an insane amount of money. Do they need it or can these be going to somewhere more worthy? On the record, Sandra O oh is the only person to have refused to accept a swag bag before. Um, maybe there's more, but that is the only one my research could pull up and the one that I'm seeing cited more, most often. 
But it is worth mentioning that many of the gifts in the bags are never actually redeemed. So people accept the bags, but don't go on the $50,000 trip to Scotland, let's say. Here's a question. So does Distinctive Assets buy the gift certificate from the company or is the company giving the gift certificate? The company is giving the gift certificate. Okay. So there, so there isn't actually any money if it's never spent. Essentially, yeah. 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 Because nobody like, has paid for it. Yeah. And it is yeah. something that is not often redeemed. Like I think there's a story of <laughs> a few years ago, Jessica Chastain being the only person to redeem the home renovation uh, <laughs> voucher. So, you know, they're – it's not as if everyone's going to turn up at the castle on the same weekend, you know, the out of the yeah. 28 people who got it, maybe one or two might go to the Scottish castle in the next year. So you're getting taxed for all of the stuff that you're never going to use. I think you get taxed. Ugh, I will have to do a little research, a little more poking around. Like the tax stuff was kind of melting my brains. Yeah, but fair enough. I believe that you get taxed on the physical goods, but actually most of it is gift certificates um like the big ticket Mm -hmm. items are gift certificates i think you only get taxed on them if you actually use them let's hope because it's a little ridiculous otherwise right right um so yeah that is why people like sandra oh have not accepted a bag or why people are not redeeming them um in 2006 george clooney actually donated his bag to a charity auction where it sold for $45,000 so that was pretty nice um but the bags have definitely come under heat before in 2007 uh edward norton called them disgusting and shameful and suggested that the academy make a charitable donation in the winner's names instead um that gets kind of confusing because again the academy were not giving out the bags by this time it was distinctive assets um Lash Ferry of Distinctive Assets did tell Vox, though, that he knows someone at the Grand Hotel Tremezzo who had a lovely time hosting Edward Norton and his wife after they redeemed a trip from the 2015 gift bag. So that is all just quotes. I don't know if that's for fact. I haven't checked the hotel's uh, guest registry, but interesting. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't got enough of how crazy these gift bags are, you're in luck. They are also doing the bags for the Grammys. Distinctive Assets will be doing those. And that ceremony will be happening, um, this podcast should come out just, just right after that. So we'll probably hear a little bit more about what is in those bags. But at the moment, we know that they're, um, a lot smaller than the Oscars bag. So the Oscars, they were giving, uh, to 28 special recipients at the Grammys, 150 people are getting the bag. So they're only worth about 20K each. Just a modest 20 Just a little bit. Yeah. Micah, did that answer all your questions about the swag bags? <laughs> or do I, I need to did. do more tax research for you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think I'm good. I won't make you do that. Thank you. Thank you. I just think they're a really wild thing. I don't know what I would do if I got one, though. Like if I was nominated for Best Actor what do you do? Because the thing is, like, it's it's easy for me to say now, of course, I will go on the $50,000 trip to Scotland. I probably won't use the surgical procedures, but I'll get the home renovations and all that. But if I'm at the level of someone who's being nominated for an Oscar, 
do I need any of those things? And maybe that's the crazy thing that like you can be gifted a 50,000 trip and just be like $50,000 trip, I should say, and be like, nah, that's cool. I don't need that. It feels a little cringy to accept it if you're like, I guess it depends who you are. Um, Because sometimes like very new up and coming minor celebrities get nominated. Right. Like that kid. Best supporting. Kid from Power of the Dog, right? If he redeemed it, I'd be like, cool. Good for you. Like you seem like you're kind of our age. That's awesome. Like go go take a $50,000 trip. Yeah. Um, or um, Troy Custer, is that his, I can't remember how to pronounce his last name, who won for Best Supporting Actor. Right. Um, and, like, has had many, many long years of being discriminated against in the acting industry because he's deaf. Like, yeah, you go to Scotland. Good Absolutely. for you. Yeah. Um, I don't think Denzel needs to go. <laughs> no, Denzel, was Macbeth filmed in Scotland? He's probably been there quite a bit. No, it was so. filmed on a sound stage in L.A. Oh, that that makes sense given the set, but yeah, yeah there's a lot of people who probably, I, I guess, yeah, they might see it as a bit like beneath them to be uh, redeeming this voucher. But I guess if you're mm-hmm. accepting it, you're still getting the throw throw avocado game and the uh, I'm pita sure order, so Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst kids oh. loved the throw throw avocado game. Bless. Yeah, they probably like between the two of them are probably really uh building quite a collection double yeah yeah crazy anyway so that's the oscar swag bags i'm very excited to learn more about the grammys one i'm very excited to see what will be in them next year all righty that brings us to the end of another episode of different things can be sad micah what is your april looking like or do i maybe know what the end of your april is looking like I feel like you know. Mm-hmm. It'll be my birthday. Yeah. You might be going on a trip. Mm-hmm. We are. We are. We're, yeah. Sorry for being coy, everyone. I will be visiting Micah in Vancouver at the end of this month. And then we're going to go to Seattle and see Lord for Micah's birthday. So it is going to be really, really fun. I'm really, really excited. I'm very excited. We might, we might a do a little pod episode for yeah. you. We'll do a little recording while we're there. We haven't done an in-person one uh, in how long? Like I don't even know. I think we might be approaching time. four years at that stage because I think the only other time or the the last time we did. We did some special clips in November of 2019, September. Yes, we did some clips, but I think the last time we were actually did a full episode was at your house in Vancouver in 2018. Yes, we only record in person in Vancouver, apparently. And once in Boston. We've literally done two in-person episodes in four years. So (laughs) fun stuff. But it will be our pod anniversary, Mm -hmm. I believe. So we'll have to make it a really fun one. We will, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, If you would like to follow along with our trip, we'll be posting some pics on our Instagram at DTCBS Podcast. When I get my new phone, because I did lose my phone this month, I will be posting on my Instagram, which is at Yasmin Lomax. How about you, Micah? Are you going to document the trip? For sure. Yeah. Um, And I have a cat stain with me this month. So if you want cat pics, at Micah Han on Instagram. Just don't report them to Micah's apartment. Yeah, don't don't tell my landlord. The cat's not supposed to be there, so. Mm-mm. Alrighty, until next time, everyone. Bye. Bye.